0: And you've got to be willing to make changes and look at new ways of being, new ways of working and considering what's possible to have a comeback or a reinvention or, you know, look at ways and different things and realize they can ultimately be more fulfilling when you do things differently.
1: Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. And I am excited to share our guest with you today because what we're going to talk about is so timely and important. Her name is Shura Miller. She is a two-time TEDx speaker. She has shared her expertise on Medium, LinkedIn, and Thrive Global, writing about well-being at work and in the home, prioritizing self-care, creating wellness-based cultures, and authentic leaderships. Her story and opinions have been recognized in Shape Health First for Women, Quick and Simple, The Atlanta Journal, Constitution, Emory Magazine, and the best-selling book, The Power of Nice and Trust Your Gut, How the Power of Intuition Can Grow Your Business. By day, Shira also serves as the Chief Communications Officer at a $2 billion corporation. So she's keeping busy. Let's welcome her to the show. Shira Miller, it is awesome to have you on the Daily Helping Podcast.
0: Thank you, Dr. Richard. I am thrilled to be here.
1: Oh, there's so many things we could talk about, but I wanna, I want to discover your journey. So let's happen the the Shira Miller time machine a little bit, roll back the layers of the onion. What puts you on the path you're on today? Because it's so important.
0: Oh, gosh. Well, on the path to helping people get unstuck, I am somebody who has gotten stuck and unstuck so many times in my own life. And you can really trace it back to over 30 years ago. I had a healthy weight loss. I lost over a third of my size. That was about 50 pounds almost 30 years ago. And that was the first time in which I started claiming a healthier life, greater well-being. Um, And then over the years, there were numerous times that I got unstuck. Um, After divorce, back in 2009, I met the wonderful man who's now my husband, have a great marriage. Um, I had a business failure in 2009 during that little thing called the Great Recession. You might have heard of it. Killed 200,000 small businesses, including my own. And I unfortunately got Crohn's disease after the stress of trying to um, have the aftermath of that for a few years. And it's interesting, all of those things that happened, the health challenges, financial challenges, well-being, I was able to come back stronger and better than before. So I've crafted a life that now is filled with purpose because of so many times of getting stuck and then learning how to get unstuck.
1: So much of what you're sharing sure resonates with me. And, and I know that, you know, we had the recession that that really hit us in 2008. And most experts in the financial space are predicting we are rapidly walking into another one. So with the pandemic mostly in the rear view mirror, but not completely Mm -hmm. with the pending economic situation that many of these experts are predicting. Talk to us about how amidst all of that, we we find a way to have self-care. We find a way to be, as you said, to come back stronger, to be better than we were before.
0: Self-care should be every person's top priority. And let me start out with a definition here. Sometimes when people hear self-care, they think it's selfish. They're like, okay, you're going to go to a spa all day. Um, Are you ignoring your responsibilities? Self-care is the act of understanding what's important to your well-being and making sure that you create time for it. It could be 15 minutes at the beginning of the day to journal. It could be taking a walk at lunch. It could be making sure that once a week, You connect with a friend who uplifts you as much as you lift that individual up. So it's recognizing those acts of self-care, what takes care of you mentally, physically, emotionally, and then booking it on your calendar. When I look at each week, I make sure that I've got those instances protected on my calendar as I would a meeting with my CEO. I
1: like this. and a lot of companies, for those those of us listening that work for others, you know your day job, you're working for a corporation a large corporation in suite role. A lot of companies are starting to move to self-care in the workplace, but not everyone. And it's really up to each of us to find a way to build that in. And I like what you said, even if it's only 15 minutes, doing something important for us is from a mental health standpoint, is crucial, but I, I know one of the things that you talk about is you know, the selfishness aspect of this. Is, is caring for yourself? If you're saying okay, like I, when whatever that is, whether it's walking, whether it's journaling, as you said, meditating, whether it's watching Netflix, talk to us about how that's not really selfish and how that actually makes us better parents, better coworkers, etc.
0: You need to give to yourself in order to be present for everybody else in your life. And that's, it's interesting. I don't know if you read the book, The Giving Tree, when you were a kid. I think we we're all exposed to it at some point where the tree is giving to this little boy, it's branches and sleeves, all these different things, and it's left with nothing but a dead stump. It actually always made me cry, but it, but it had a really powerful message. In order to be present for everyone else, you've got to be in a good place yourself. I mean, otherwise you'll be completely depleted. You won't be at the top of your game mentally, physically, energetically. I know that you're a dad. Um, if you're not taking care of your well-being, you know, when we chatted for a few minutes, you talked about the importance of healthy eating in your life. I'm sure that is fueling even more energy to give back to your family and all the different business ventures that you've got, Dr. Richard. So it's just as important. It is our fuel. It is what we need to be there for everybody else. and a wonderful benefit is that we feel better. We think smarter. We have more energy. It improves our self-esteem. It's good for us in so many ways. And focusing on self-care helps us get unstuck.
1: Okay, that's something I want to hone in on because you've used the word stuck several times. So give us the official Shira Miller definition of stuck. And let's talk about how we get unstuck, or how we avoid getting stuck in the first place.
0: So my definition of stuck is when your life circumstances aren't the ones that you want to lead. You uh, let's just say in your career, as an example, you want it to be at a certain level and it's not. Or your love life, you might want to be in a healthy, fulfilling relationship, and you find that you haven't been able to achieve that. So stuck is just not living in alignment with your goals and desires, and it's so easy to get stuck. Most of us are stuck in multiple areas, but I've created a step-by-step process that's proven. I did a lot of research, interviewed over a hundred people um, that helps people get unstuck from whatever obstacle you were facing.
1: I love this. So I, we, we dig science on this show. You did some research here. So take us through, you know, we don't do all seven for time purposes, but take us through a few a few of these
0: that I'd like to talk about, the one that's popping to the top of my mind, and that is number five, is you're a Debbie Downer. And that is people, and you remember Debbie Downer, Saturday Night Live, the Rachel Dratch, you know, skits. It's hilarious. Uh, But the truth of it is when you're an individual and you choose pessimism over optimism, that can get you stuck. There's been a lot of science behind how optimism can lift you up. Um, When you focus on gratitude, I know that is so much of your own platform, practicing acts of kindness. Um, When you're in that kind of place of positivity, uh, it's easier to get unstuck. You start creating opportunities. You see your way around obstacles. But when you live in a place of pessimism, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy that when you expect everything to go wrong or to be bad. That's exactly what you're going to get. So that is something that I've seen from my interviews with people. Another one, this is actually number one of the seven things that gets you stuck, is something I call you don't do you. And that's when you're not living your authentic self. You feel that you have to act a certain way. Um, And it's gotten so much worse with the prevalence of social media uh, that you're not going to be accepted as yourself at work or in social groups. And so you adopt a persona that is less than true. And that is incredibly exhausting when you're trying to figure out, okay, I've said these things, I've got to live this way, but gosh, it doesn't feel congruent with the rest of me. So those are a couple of examples of things that can get you stuck.
1: So let's talk about let's let's take those in particular. Let's start with the Debbie Downer. What are your strategies for then addressing those so we can get unstuck?
0: OK, so if you're a Debbie Downer and you've started to realize it because there typically is a Debbie Downer and if you can't find anybody else in your social group. It just might be you. Um, cognitive reframing is a great way. And you're not in your head, you're an expert in this area. When you look at a situation and you try to find the upside or um, how can I look at it differently? And it might be, let's take a dramatic circumstance. Let's say things aren't going well at your job or the culture has shifted and it feels really negative to you now. You could look at it and say, my gosh, I fell stuck. I have no options. I can't get out of it. Maybe the culture shift is a sign it's time for you to do something different. You've grown, you need to be someplace else or it creates an opportunity for you to be a positive force in your culture. So it's looking at the same circumstance, but finding the upside. Other things that can help, gratitude, leaning into it and figuring out you know, what am I grateful for in this world? You can make a daily gratitude list. There's been so much about um, Dr. Seligman's studies about listing three things each day that you're grateful for. I tend to do that before I go to sleep at night. um, And that can really change your perspective. Something you've educated me about, because I've interviewed you and shared your subject matter expertise, is a reticular activating system and what you start to focus on, you're going to see more of. So when you start to focus on the good and gratitude, you're going to have more goodness come in.
1: That's very true. You know, there's, there is absolutely a neurobiological component to this. And yes, we talked about it a little bit in your book, but you know, it's, it's like, and I'm dating myself here. It's like the, uh, the old Tootsie Roll commercials where the kid, everything he sees is a Tootsie Roll. And the reality is, this is not a secret, right? Guys like Dale Carnegie, you know Jim Rohn, you know, these, these people we put on pedestals from the personal development world, they've been talking about this for 80 years. It's only recently that we have the science to back it up. You know, Jim Rohn said that you're an average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And so... We have these things in our brains also called mirror neurons and mirror neurons are constantly kind of behind the scenes looking for sameness, right? Because the brain likes homeostasis. It likes things to be nice and even keel. So if if your peer group is constantly watching the news, whatever whatever side of the political spectrum that, that they're on, uh, but all they're doing is just constantly they're angry and all their social media posts are just, oh, this person did X and the world sucks. That, whether you like it or not, becomes kind of integrated into who you are. And and I love that we we talked a bit about the gratitude and, you know, reframing things in a positive way, because science also says those that have a higher degree of self-efficacy, believing that tomorrow can be a better day, they have overall improved wellness and lower instances of mental illness. So, so this is such good stuff, Shira. I love this. The the second piece you, you talked about, and this was number number one, I believe, you don't do you. So people living out of alignment. So I want to ask this question because we, we just you know, had this little back and forth about, you know, reframing and, you know, surrounding yourself with like-minded people. What if, though, your place of work has the wrong culture uh, or it's un- clicky, unfortunately, because many, many workplaces are. So and, and you can't just up and quit your job what are some strategies that you would give somebody who is in a job currently where for whatever reason, it doesn't look like there's an immediate exit possible for them where there are these negative pieces in the workplace and and how would you advise them how to best shield themselves from that?
0: A couple of different things. First, you need to figure out what is in it for you because If you look at your environment, and it's a negative environment, what are you getting that might be positive? An example, it's a negative environment, but in our post-COVID world, are you able to work remotely four or five days a week? Do you have, within this negative environment, the flexibility to take off and see your kids play soccer in the middle of the afternoon? If you start by realizing what's still in it for you, What are you getting from this job? Um, Career-wise, the culture isn't what you want it to be, but are you learning new things that can help you get to the next level somewhere else? People can judge themselves so harshly and create a black or white scenario where I'm in a place, I feel bad about myself, I'm feeling trapped here. But if you realize that you're still moving forward in other ways, that perhaps you are balancing things out in your life, I had a job that I'm not going to name um, back in the 90s that uh, I had a corporate job I loved. Then I went to another organization and it couldn't have been more different. It was a company that did wonderful things for the world, um, but the culture was awful. And uh, I did feel trapped there. I was there almost three years. What I ended up doing was focusing on myself and what I needed as an individual. That is where I lost the weight. I also ended up divorcing a husband that... Um, We did not have a great relationship. I made wonderful friends. I started traveling. I worked on me in a way that I didn't before. And that was part of my remapping my own self-care. So from that place, that experience where the job itself was just kind of, eh, I ended up having a better, more fulfilling life. And then from the things I did, I still did a good job there. I was able to get something that really shot me to the next level at a different corporation. So start out by looking what's in it for you. And then within this negative culture, see if you can be a force of change. Do you supervise other people? Are you um, someone who is active with your peer group? Can you practice acts of kindness in the workplace that might become more contagious? So see if you can become an agent of change. I know in our workplace, we practice something called culture of accountability, really strong in it, taking accountability and seeing uh, how can I make a difference? Even if something's not my job, what can I do to make a difference? See if you can be that agent of change. And if not, perhaps it's time um, after, you know, you feel like you've done all you can for your own well-being to start putting your ducks in a row and seeing what's possible in the future. Does that answer
1: your question? It does. I, I love this, and I want to take it a step further because let's say it, uh, you, you talked about you know the, the culture in your organization is, is supportive and it it's there. Like obviously you're you're kind of leading that boat, and, and people understand that this is a healthy place to work. What if your organization doesn't really have some of these things built in? Doesn't not that it's necessarily a toxic culture. But these components of self-care aren't really there. What can you do as an employee to either bring it to HR or try and, you know, create this wave so that those resources are more available for people who work for that company? Hey, guys, Dr. Richard here. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you. And I can't wait to see where you'll go.
0: Start by creating it for yourself. And then when you bring it to HR, I think it's better to bring it with a sense of consensus. It's one thing if one person's asking for it, but if you have other like minded souls that you feel would benefit from it and you all talk about it, perhaps. You schedule a meeting with someone in HR, and there are five or six of you on a Zoom call, and you start talking about it and saying, You know, we've done research. We like the company. We want to be here. We feel it would help with retention, which is such a huge issue companies are facing, um, and our well being. We're going to be more productive. We're going to stick around longer if we have programs like this. So, when it feels like there's more of a consensus, or going to HR and asking them, Can we even do a survey? about this. Uh, You'd be amazed at how receptive people can be when you've done a little bit of the groundwork. If you ask HR to do everything and they're overburdened with things going on, they might have all the best intentions of the world. But if, if you go to them with the beginning of a groundswell, the beginning of proof that we need something like this, we love when employees come to us about information like this. That's how real change happens. And I'll give you an example. When I first joined this company, you know, there are great people here, but we needed to do so much work on our culture. I've been here eight years in October and we started with leadership coaching. We had our um, extended leadership team, which is directors and above. Uh, We had people come and tell us, we feel out of the loop. We don't know what's going on in the company. Things aren't great in our culture. And from that, you know, our CEO was really open to it. We immediately started launching leadership meetings. And when I first started creating those leadership meetings, you know, we listened so intently when people came to us. We were doing them quarterly. We were flying people in from all around the country. This is back gosh, I want to say it's 2017-2018, then moved to two three times a year and ultimately two times a year uh, because things were so much better. People were building relationships and then moved into a formal culture of accountability program. So, you would be amazed at how Receptive people can be if you're speaking the right language of this is really important for retention. This will will help keep us here. And um, yeah,
1: yeah, I love that. And, and as I was thinking, you know, you're in this C-suite, you're doing your regular r- jobs and routines for the company. Yet you're here with me today. You've done a couple of TEDx talks. You've written a book, and obviously, your company's supportive of that, or you wouldn't be doing it or you'd be doing it, but you wouldn't be working for that company, I guess, is a better way to put it. So I think that's important, too, that if, if a company is willing to be supportive of employees doing these ventures like that, because many have these crippling you know, non-competes and say that you know any intellectual property you create is ours and not yours. So I think it's great that your company in particular is supportive of that. And certainly it would be better if, if many more are.
0: That's one of the main reasons I'm still here. I have a wonderful CEO. Uh, he is incredibly supportive. When I told him January of 2018, I'm going to start doing some writing and speaking, think I want to write a book. His response, that's fantastic. That's going to benefit all of us. That's that's great. So with that support, I have remained in place and it's been fulfilling.
1: That's very awesome. Now, I, I, I know that you've interviewed over 100 experts. And outside of what I told you, because we talked about that, give us, when you interview that many people and and you collect data, there's going to be themes that are recurrently showing up. I wonder if you could share with us some of what your research has shown you that seem to be kind of consensus across the board with with these people that you spoke to.
0: Oh, gosh, that'd, that'd be a pleasure. Something that can really hold people back is a lack of forgiveness. And that is a major theme. If you are stuck and that's on two levels, it's forgiving others who have done things to you that weren't great. Now, you don't owe them forgiveness. Forgiveness is a gift that you give to yourself because when you are holding on to something bad that was done to you, it sucks all your energy out. You know, you can hold a grudge for a long time and that energy could have been going to something more positive. But even more important about forgiveness, you need to forgive yourself. That is one of the biggest barriers that I have seen that research has shown that will clock up your system of making positive change. When you still beat yourself up for a business decision 10 years ago or for, and I'm going to use a personal example here. I'm calling him personal, though. I'm talking about research overall. So I look back at, um, and I'll, I'll just be forthright. My husband, my wonderful husband, third time's charm. He's my third husband. I married my first boyfriend ever right after college. Um, Then I met the nice Jewish guy who wasn't, um, married him, divorced him. So by the time I was in my early 30s, I was divorced twice. And that sucked. Those were the two major relationships. Couldn't believe it. I beat myself up about that for seven, eight years. Dated a lot of guys, didn't trust myself to make the right decision. But then when I finally realized, you've moved on past this, forgive yourself, and did the work, I was ultimately able to meet Justin. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't consciously decided to forgive myself and let go of that blame and distrust. So I'm sharing a personal example there, because I know it's going to help somebody else who's listening to it. It's like, yeah, I need to let go of that self-judgment there. Um, but forgiveness is something really big. Also, another theme is a lack of personal flexibility. I'll give a career example here. You might have crushed it in your business for so many years doing the same thing, but then the market changed or COVID happened and suddenly the way you were working, it doesn't work anymore. Well, at that point, you could be like an ostrich trying to burrow your head down into the sand, or you might have to make a pivot. People who were unwilling to make pivots were left behind. They didn't adapt. And you've got to be willing to make changes and look at new ways of being, new ways of working and considering what's possible to have a comeback or a reinvention or, you know, look at ways and different things and realize they can ultimately be more fulfilling when you do things differently.
1: I love that. Shira, time has flown by, but you've given us some really fantastic, tangible strategies that people can use. In their work at home to get unstuck, very timely. And I'm grateful for you being with us today. As you know, I wrap up every interview by asking my guests this question that is, what is your biggest helping? That one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today?
0: I want people to realize that no matter how you're stuck, whatever your age is, you can always get unstuck you can overcome obstacles. It's about following a process, having patience, love for yourself, practicing self-care, and then you can make all the changes you need in your life.
1: Perfect. Tell us the name of your, your book again, which is available everywhere.
0: Thank you. It's free and clear, get unstuck and live the life you want. And you can read any other articles about it. If you go to ShiraMiller.com, that's Shira, S-H-I-R-A, Miller.com. I I have a lot of great content on there and a quiz for people to take to find out how you're stuck and what to do about it.
1: Outstanding. And we're going to have links to the book and everything Shira Miller at the show notes for her episode at TheDailyHelping.com. So check it out there. Well, Shira, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today and, and sharing with all of us. Thank you. Absolutely. And to each and every one of you who took time out of your day, thanks to you as well. If you like what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others.